Hi, my name is Claire and I'm the mother of three teenagers with FESD. I'm Jessica, a PhD researcher specialising in educational interventions for children with FASD. And together we are the hosts of Spotlight on FASD, the UK's first podcast dedicated to shining a spotlight on fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. FASD is a condition caused by prenatal alcohol exposure that affects hundreds of thousands of children across the UK. And we're here to bring these conversations out of the shadows and make sure that no one living with FASD feels alone. Hi and welcome back to a brand new season of Spotlight on FASD. This is season three and this season is going to be dedicated to one topic, one very, very large topic, but one topic. Um, and we're going to open the can that is education, education and FASD. Um, so this first episode of the season, we just want to set the scene because I think certainly before I knew what I know about FASD, if, I, if someone was talking to me about education and FASD, I, in my mind, that is you know, academic stuff. That is how do children with FASD learn their maths and their English and how, are they, how do they manage inside of a school? But a decade down the line, <laughs> education it's just a it has a very very different meaning to me um so i think that it's something that we need to um we we desperately want to help and offer our help offer our knowledge and our assistance to learning professionals to teachers learning support assistants education experts dinner nannies um you know classroom assistants teachers yeah everybody who is involved in the world of education with with children and young people with fasd we we absolutely know the difficulty that you face trying to help educate children like ours um predominantly because you have absolutely no idea that you are trying to educate a child with a brain injury. And then even if you do know that, there is there is just nothing out there as to where to start, or there hasn't been anything out there as to where to start, as to how to support them properly. So we just want to um, kind of just set our stall up because we are so dedicated to this. This is, this is the part that I am super, super passionate about because it, it's, the way I look at it, education and, and engaging with education. So as learning professionals, um, and I feel like I do feel like I'm already addressing this podcast to learning professionals and, and it, it's for everybody and it's for parents and carers. It's for anyone who has an interest, but it, it kind of is aimed at learning professionals. So this is this is what I've learned, and this is this is a you know this is a very powerful thing that I'm about to say, and I would never say it lightly, but it is so so true. So as as teachers, as as learning professionals, you have the ability to save children's lives and to contribute to the loss of life through education. And those are serious, serious words, and they are meant, they come from a place of positivity and optimism, 
but I have to be truthful. And, and this is the power that is within your gift. This is the power that you hold of being able to get it right or, or get it wrong. And, yeah. and the consequences are. And that's it. And it is, it, it's like a, a seesaw and it can literally go from as, as good as, as saving a life to, you know, the other way to loss of life. And it's, it's just about finding that balance and not only finding that balance to a point of coping, but finding a balance and tipping it in the other direction so that it's a positive um, experience for everybody because that the more negative experience, you know, we're looking at things like um, a lack of awareness of FASD, not understanding FASD, not being trained in FASD, not knowing that the child in your classroom has FASD. You know, there's this huge, huge list of of contributing factors that will lead to a loss of life as a result of disengagement from education. And we'll get into that because it does sound very, very extreme. Um, and, you know, it, it's not a, a very, very clear cut direct link to, you know, child does badly in school, a loss of life. But this is what we're seeing happen. And this is what, what, you know, we do know about this condition and the power that educators and learning staff, like anybody at all, we're not directing this at um, special educational needs teachers or anything like that. Anybody, as Claire said, anybody who's involved in education has the ability to, to tip that balance and to, to bring these children back. Um, into a, a, a positive place in terms of their education. Where, so, you know, it, 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 it is quite a dramatic way at the start, like, oh, if I don't do a good job in the classroom, the children are going to end up dead. I'll tell you how, I, how we get from that step to, to, to you know, that, that huge leap. So when it comes to care-experienced children, the statistics are, and this was quite a long time ago, so, you know, the, the, these are probably conservative stats. Mm -hmm. Around about 72% of male children who have been touched by the care system at any point will touch the judicial system. And there are lots of ways. It might be one little brush with the police. It could be end up in prison. So this is what few, that, that statistic that was delivered to me on a training course that I kind of forced my way into as the only adoptive parent with foster carers in my local authority 12 years ago, maybe now. And that statistic changed everything for me. I, I was blissfully unaware of anything like that very naive really i'll totally admit to that so i was told by someone who i really trusted a very very good um very professional um clinical psychologist who who really knew her stuff i was just told this statistic very matter-of-factly but i was so i was being told that about my boys so i had a 28 percent chance of keeping my boys out of the judicial system and that that day everything changed for me that day because what I didn't know then that I know now 
is that not only were my children care experienced, but they had fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So those, those stats go even higher into the 80s for people, 80 odd percent for males with FASD entering into the judicial system. And that fueled me because I thought, right, okay. And oddly, it didn't, it didn't really scare us. When I look back now, I don't know why it didn't terrify us, but I was just like, right, okay. I keep them in the 28%. How do I do that? And my every waking moment for 12 years has been putting whatever measure into place that I need to put into place to keep them in that 28%. Um, I read a statistic today, um, which is on the gov.uk website. So it's the most up-to-date stats around care-experienced people in our, in our prison population. So just under 30% of our prison population in the UK is made up of care-experienced people. And that just, so I mean, you know, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm gonna be brutally honest. I, my opinion is, if that is the stat that's on gov.uk website, that is going to be as conservative and it's going, you know, that is going to be the best picture. It's probably highly likely to be way, way worse because basically the government, so our, you know, our local authorities have been the parents of these children while they've been in care. And, and these children have just gone into the judicial system and into prison. So we know how high of a percentage care experienced people have alcohol related issues. So we know how many have been exposed to alcohol in utero. It's a massive percentage of them. So it's not difficult to do the maths to think how many of those of the 30% of our prison population have got a brain injury, have got, have got a disability. Um, so I think that, you know, I know it sounds, it all sounds quite dramatic, but this is where, this is the censure. So when I was given that statistic, I was like, right, okay. So what, how, like what, what is this, what is the step from care experience to ended up in the judicial system? Why, why is that likely to happen? And it's one reason. And that is disengagement from education. So when we talk about education, it's really got very little to do with maths or English and history and academic stuff. For children like ours and young people like ours, it, it, it means everything else. It, it has the biggest impact on their lives. And yeah, school and education has an impact on every young person's life. But it's not always life or death. Mm -hmm. And it is for children like ours. Yeah. Because the, the, the path they end up going down will is a very, very different one. And that's why I feel like I'm going, I feel like it's getting a little bit, oh god, this is horrendous. It's not actually, it's really exciting. And it's probably only me could go from death to it's really exciting in the same sentence. But it is because what we know is early intervention in education makes all the difference. It, it saves the lives. We can change it. 
Yeah. Yes, it is, it, it is absolutely, yeah. it doesn't have to be that way. So what I was just saying to Jess before, and I am going to let her speak in a second and get a word in, but I, I, I'm really, this has really got us going today. As learner professionals, as teachers, as learner support assistants, you have got it within your gift to be able to affect a massive change in our society. Because what we do know is that you play the biggest role with our children you can have the biggest influence in a good way or a bad way but imagine that that you were given the support that you needed so you were able to support these children in the way that they need which means they don't disengage with education which means they don't engage with the judicial system which means they don't become one of those horrific statistics, then that is going to change what our society looks like. It's going to change what our prison population looks like. It, it's going to change everything, like change, change the world, really. Like, I know that's a, a bit of a stretch, but we can change our little world on this little island for definite. And I think that a lot of teachers and learning professionals, maybe, you know, you've had, everyone's had a crappy year you have really really had it kicked out of you this this last year with everything that's been expected of you in your roles and and what i was thinking about before you know you don't get into teaching you don't get in it for the money you don't get in it for the holidays really because you spend all of your holidays either marking or preparing you're working around the clock so Everyone who is in this line of work is in this line of work because they want to make a difference to society. They want to help children. And that is why we feel that we've like, I feel like we've got something magic to be able to share with you that I don't know a single teacher or, or support worker who wouldn't want to have this knowledge to be able to use it. Um, so I think that's where... That's where we want to go in this season um, and, and break it down in the practical stuff because, but we needed to really press home with when we say education, this is actually what we mean, this whole huge bigger picture and the power that you hold um, in the role that you have with our young people. Yeah, it's it's definitely it, education. We're not, we're not talking about um, you know, algebra and things like that. We're not talking about academics. We're talking about um, engagement and social skills and aspirations and, you know, all of, all of the other aspects of attending any form of education, really. And my, my biggest fear, my biggest fear with this season is that learning professionals don't feel that this applies to them and you know I'm aware when we spoke to to Dr Alan Price he mentioned that um, they were looking at doing a prevalence study in the greater Manchester area that's something that's ongoing with Salford University um, but the best figures that we have for FASD in the UK are um, Dr Cheryl McGuire's study from 2019 that says potentially six to 17% of 
of the general population of this country are in some way affected by prenatal alcohol exposure. And those numbers are enormous. And when you break it down, we are looking at one child in every classroom, every single classroom. So year on year, as a learning professional, some, you know, whatever capacity that is, you, it, you have come across it. It is relevant, but you can't avoid it. It's not avoided. It's unavoidable. And if you've ever experienced working with um, a child who um, has, has been involved with the care system at all in their lifetime, then you will know the, the additional challenges that, that come with that. And you now know the stats around the, the percentage of children in, in the care system who have been prenatally exposed to alcohol. Like we can very easily add it up. This is relevant to absolutely everybody in this profession. Even if you just listen, take on board little bits of what we're saying, keep it in the back of your mind. One day, this will be you. You will be on the front line in that position of really great influence for this child's life. And I know, you know, Claire spoke about loss of life um, and particularly with, with the examples of, of the, the prison population, you know, these children, you know, disengaging from education and growing up and ending up in the prison system. Well, that, that to me, that's, that's a loss of life as well. You know, they've not died, but for them to have been locked up due to system failure after system failure and being let down by people who didn't understand the impact of their role on, on that person's life, well, how much have we let them down? Like completely, because from the moment of conception, this is something that I was having this, this chat with somebody the other day, actually, um, about how care experienced children, their, their records come from, you know, birth or whenever, um, you know, social services gets involved or, or whenever that is. But actually their story starts from the moment of conception because all of this trauma is pre-birth. Alcohol exposure is trauma pre-birth. So from the moment of conception, we're going back way before they're even born. And if we don't get in there with these early interventions as soon as we possibly can, which is what this whole season is going to be about, then we've, we've not done our bit and we're just adding those building blocks to the seesaw to tip it, their life in a very negative direction. And we also know, side note, because this is something that I, uh, you know, I say quite a lot and I feel like there's misunderstanding. Well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's my, I don't know. Anyway, people see FASD as a mental health condition. We talk about FASD, um, or children with FASD being supported by CAMS because that's the place where they need to be supported. They need to be supported by mental health services. FASD is a physical disability. It's not a mental health problem. It's not, it, it's not a mental health thing. Mental health concerns 
are secondary to FASD. They are a secondary condition, disability, impact, you know, they, they come from living with this condition, which is significantly prevalent as well. You know, mental health um, difficulties in whatever capacity are hugely prevalent within the FASD population, and they too can significantly impact on the life outcomes of an individual, whether we're talking about the, the loss of life, the success of a life. And again, how do we change that? Educa education and engagement with education, having a community where they feel understood, where, you know, where they're supported, where they have peers, where they don't fear going every day, all of that significantly impacts. And as you can see, academics don't come into that. They just don't. There's a huge, huge part played there just from them walking into a supporting environment or having that supporting environment walk into their home, their safe space, wherever they're educated. And it building these building blocks on the other side of the seesaw that tips it, you know, in a positive direction. You know, education, education that's this is why this whole season is dedicated to education the the, the i got a, i got a little bit upset just there starting to because when you are like frontline and living this life day in day out year in year out you forget sometimes some of the things that you've you've had to guide your children through and when we talk about fasd being a mental health problem you know it's a brain injury it's a brain injury. The same way if somebody was in a car accident and had a brain injury and it's a physical disability and everyone would bend over backwards to accommodate them for the rest of their lives because that was a devastating accident. There is no difference with, with FASD. You know, that child that has happened to that child in utero, I would argue 100% of the time it's happened accidentally because there's always a reason behind the alcohol consumption. Yep. So that is an accident that's happened to them where the mental health problems come in are and this is the devastating thing and i and i want teachers and i want learning support assistants and learning professionals i want them to really feel as devastated as me when i say this the mental health problems the majority of them 99 percent of them are caused by our children trying to survive the education system. Yeah. When it comes to the mental health difficulties that our children live with, with FASD, it's pretty much all around the fact that we have to snap pieces off them to try and cram them to fit into an education system that is crippling them, mentally crippling them. Mm -hmm. And on my journey, I have not encountered from a primary school teacher to a learning support assistant to the head of an academy to the head of student support i haven't encountered a professional on my journey who hasn't watched what's happened to my children who isn't in full agreement with that that they have seen that that is what's happening and then they you know anyone who i've been able to have access to get me hands on <laughs> and again, here with me, with me mouth and like, right, listen to this. 
the, you know, it's so powerful to see when, and there isn't a single teacher who I haven't been going through something with and helping them, training them to be able to take care of my children when my children were able to access school, who haven't gone through this awful dip of, and you can see it happening with them. I can see the day it happens with them or the meeting that you're in where it happens, where they are starting to look back and they are starting to put all the names to the children who they have educated over the years who quite clearly now the knowledge they've got have been trying to survive school with a brain injury and it's so difficult for them not to look back and think oh my god i can't believe that i did that that that's what we want to avoid yeah and in saying that those moments those those meetings where Claire's that and, and she's seen those professionals have that experience fantastic absolutely fantastic those light bulb moments where they're like holy crap I get this condition now I see it I see the children I see what happens and it's the battle that we're fighting like day in day out in in very different capacities but they finally see it, they finally hear what you're saying and see it from the, for themselves. But a child has suffered for them to have seen that. And that is what we really, really, really want to avoid. We want to help every single person who has that role in any child's life, in any capacity, we want to help them see it before it has to happen in front of them. Because when it happens in front of them, then that that is a child that's on a very very dangerous path in a downward spiral that does not need to be and you know i i do this day in day out in a professional capacity and i see many 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 parents who don't have the knowledge and the expertise to fight those professionals in the same way that claire does so the outcomes for her children as a result of her knowledge and her fight here is very very different and so we need to flip that you know we can educate and support parents as much as we possibly can but we don't want it to get to that point we want it to get to the point where every single teacher sees it before it's happening where that it's starting to happen and the teacher can just get in there or you know i say teacher i mean you know everybody but they can step in there and stop it before it's at the point where disaster happens and there's all these professionals around the table going oh my god what do we do now like where do we go from here and this so this is the bit where this is the bit where it gets you know i think we've um i hope that we've shocked shocked people a little bit listening to this because this is how serious it is but this is what is so fascinating about fasd and trust me if you if you get into this world and if you start taking an interest it, you won't ever stop because it is fascinating but this is the exciting bit there are so many easy ways that the, the support that the majority of our children need in a classroom that will change 50 percent of their learning experience they don't, it doesn't cost a single penny 
It costs. Not, we're not talking about extensive training programs, equipment. We're, we're not talking about anything like that. These are very, very, well, I say the common sense, that's my kind of common sense because this, this, he's the rub with FASD. There are a lot of rubs with FASD. He's the main one. What your common sense would tell you to do in any given situation, flip it on its head, and the opposite is usually what is going to get the result. Yeah. That makes sense when we take a time, you know, take a little minute to look at the science behind what happens to a brain development when it's exposed to alcohol. So there are huge parts of, of that development that, that don't happen or that happen in a different order, that happen the wrong way. So nothing that makes sense when you think, well, that, that seems like a really odd way to get around that, well, but it works. So that's what we've got to share with you. So what we want to say is, if you are dedicated to educating the young people of our country, and that is that is your passion, that's what you want to do, you need us, but we want to help you. We want to be here to guide you through what you need. Because, you know, you are, you deal with every single diagnosis, you deal with every single situation this is just one but we know it is something that you as a whole know very very little about and that's unfair um we know we've got our plans to target all of the teacher training programs and all of the universities that is something that we want to do because it, it needs to be done but but in the meantime if we can get to you through a podcast and if you can pull a little bit of that learning and obviously like we always say we are here if anyone's got any questions anyone wants to ask us anything specific pieces of advice about certain situations that's what we do this for you know uh yes uh i am I'm a strong advocate for my children, but most of the work that I do now, my children are never going to benefit from, but I can't not help the children who've got no one to advocate for them. I can't, I can't stop, I can't stop talking about it, and I never will. Um, and, but I think that it doesn't, I don't do it from a place of anger or sadness. I do it from a place of, oh my goodness, this doesn't need to be this difficult and it's not difficult to rectify. Uh -huh. So let's, let's do this. Let's change things. So I think that's, you know, I, I hope that that's explained where this season's headed. Um, if any of you listening to this and you've got um, friends who are teachers or any, any kind of learning professional, please point them in the direction of this because we absolutely know that it will help them. Mm -hmm. That's it. it. Yeah, just everybody. And it might have been a, a hard hitting episode and it might have been quite a dark episode, but I hope that you can hear from our voices or for those of you watching that you can see. And the fact that we've both got like very, very busy lives and, and that we're doing this podcast and, you know, we, we carve out 40 minutes a week um, to record these that we are so extremely passionate about this and it's not because we're trying to raise awareness of something that's a dead end. It's not, you know, it, it's so easy. Eh, it's not easy, but it's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not unachievable. Yeah. It's, it's, it's relatively straightforward. Yeah. if you you know and if, if it does nothing else this is something that i can promise or get your money back 
not that it's costing you anything. I can promise that if you listen to us about, about this condition inside of a classroom, we will increase your tolerance a hundredfold. And if we do nothing else, if we do nothing else, then that will in turn affect how you interact with, with, with your children, who you are teaching, who you're working with. So that is something that I can guarantee will happen. Yeah. Um, so that's like, that's the, that's the worst case scenario. So why would you not want to listen? Exactly. Nice yeah. sales pitch. So do, please, <laughs> please do, you know, get in touch with us, as Claire said, reach out social media or email. Um, you know, we're very, very easy to find spotlight on FASD, not that many of us around. Um, and, and do, you know, subscribe, keep listening, pass this on, because all we want to do here is get the message out. You know, we're not paid to do this. We're here because we have knowledge that we want to share with every single one of you and we want to help um, we're gonna you know so i you know i know those of you who listened to know a little bit about my journey so i was well well into education life school life with my children before i found out what it was that i was dealing with um so but i sometimes think that is quite a powerful place to come from because i know sometimes the best way to get something right is when you've done it so badly wrong yeah. and I, you know I can say that I did education wrong for my children for a long long time caused lifelong harm for definite but I didn't know I didn't know then what I know now so I, I, I don't beat myself up about it but it is a fact so that puts me in a position where I look back now and I just think oh so it was a, a dream a dream about eventually down the road being a foster carer with the sole purpose of passing on children to their forever homes with an arsenal of information that can't be erased that is like a how-to guide you know when you get to nursery here's your checklist this is what they need to be looking at. This is what we need. We need an EHCP, we need this. Like, and, and that all comes from the fact that I, when I look back now, the things that I would have had in place for my children would have mean, meant a very different journey for them. So I think if we can help a single person do that, then that is absolutely what we're gonna do. Um, so that's it for this week. And set set the scene for the way that the season's going to go, and we're going to try and be quite methodical. There will be lots of seasons about education because it's so enormous, mm -hmm. and we want to go into it all in such detail because we want to practically give help and advice for different situations. So um, we just hope you'll tune in next week to listen to. Uh, the beginning of it really the beginning of if of where education would start what to look for what what are the pitfalls what you can be doing the importance of certain things so we look forward to having you join us then breaking it all down yeah thanks for listening and goodbye